Welcome to this podcast series where I talk to the artists behind the music I play on my radio shows on UKCountryRadio.com. Join me while I chat to and get to know the musicians and artists behind the music I play. Listen to their stories and their musical journeys and share some laughter and fun as you get to know the artists behind the music. Hi and welcome to this episode of Bands in the Boudoir where I have with me today a young man who has developed into one of the most recognisable new singer-songwriters. It is said, and I quote, There is a hint of Sam Cooke's silky voice, but he has a style all his own. And it is totally true because I've recently seen this young man in concert. But not only is he a fine performer and singer, he has lots of charisma too, which has won him many fans. And I'd like to welcome Tom Webber. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Hi, Tom. Well, thank you for giving me the time for interviewing you today. Now, what a busy year you have had. And um, we will talk about the festivals you've played and the artists you've supported a bit later in the show. But I would really like you to take us on your musical journey, uh, starting with when did you first start to sing and play? And was music always a part of your life? Uh, I.e., did your parents always have music on, around in the house? Um, yeah, that's a good place to start it. I think I've always loved music. Um, and I think I grew up with my whole family loving music as well. Um, especially like my dad and my granddad. So when it got to about, I was 13 years old, I think I got my first guitar and I just, I couldn't play any chords at all, but I really enjoyed singing and doing both at the same time, playing and singing took a bit of getting used to, but just getting into that music was the main drive of doing it really like the rock and roll stuff and um once i picked up a few chords i just enjoyed writing and you know i've always done it through school and things like that just whenever i got home and used to sit in my bedroom and i i still get the same kick now if i'm honest um from music so i guess that's probably where my journey is up until about the last two years i guess Oh, the last two years have really taken off. Now, yeah. you were um, busking. Am I right in saying that? You did quite a bit of busking and uh, that is where you were able to hone your craft. So was the busking good fun? Yeah, it was a lot of good fun. I, I would be lying if I said that I wasn't absolutely you know, terrified when I first stood out there outside um, M&S on, is it Corn Market Street or is it another street? I can't remember. And um, and I started playing just like covers. I think I had written one song, which I used to do, but I used to just do covers and people used to walk by and I couldn't really believe it because no one had really heard me sing. I don't even think my family had heard me sing um, when I went in to do busking. So the people who would walk past used to come you know, up to me and say, oh, that was really good, mate. And I, I was only about 16 at the time. So that kind of motivation from strangers i didn't even know maybe it pushed me further to to do more but yeah busking was was brilliant and i'm gonna get out there one day again and just do it even if no one knows who i am i'm gonna stand there and do it just for the kick of it i think it is fun it is fun but you're quite right it's incredibly nerve-wracking when you first do it yeah it's fabulous that uh because it is it not is it a good way to hone your craft and you can also treat it as a rehearsal can't you you practice with your guitar and you sing it and everything but it does raise your confidence when people come along not only do they pop money into the your guitar case or whatever pot you've got but they pay you compliments like that 
and I think it's a great way to boost you to go further, which is... Oh, oh of course. It, you're so right. I mean, the money wasn't even a, a, a main drive for me in the first place, but it, you're dead right in saying that it's kind of a real confidence boost. And when you're thrown straight into a deep end like that, you feel like you can conquer the world. And then you fast forward to an actual show where you've got to do it and it's a completely different set of nerves. But it's a good set of nerves. Of course, always the best. It's it's the um it's like the adrenaline after after a show or something like that. It's the same thrill I used to get after finishing a song just in the street or something. Oh, it's lovely. And I think that's why um performers just have it's just like a drug isn't it it really is you just want to go on and you never get rid of that buzz that buzz is great um now when i came to see you i came to see you at the kenton theater and mm. the first time i'd actually heard, no i had heard you actually at the bunk fest oh no way i go to bunk fest uh i, I love the festival it's brilliant it's great it's a it's just a really good festival one of the best free festivals you can get i think it's just wonderful and the atmosphere is great so that's when i first heard you so then i got the opportunity to see you at the kenton now what i picked up and this is before i really knew you was that your influence i can so hear the 50s and 60s in your music which is which is having researched you now is a big influence so you like all singers songwriters are really really love great songs you listen to lyrics you know you become lyricists but who have been your main influences oh i always i love these questions because i've it never it never stays the same for your whole life if you if you make music because i'm sure the same with you it always changes your influences like a kind of wheel of fortune um I'd probably say, obviously, Beatles are, are far up there. Like the the writing of Lennon and McCartney was a huge influence from an early age. Um, and people like J.J. Cale, mm -hmm. Sam Cooke, like you mentioned earlier. Um, there's so many. And country artists, more recently, I'd say in the last year, I've really, my ears have matured to country music. So recently it's been people like Waylon Jennings and and uh johnny paycheck and people like that but there's there's so many good artists that i've always loved but it's picking up new ones along the way as i'm writing now and those ones strangely have the biggest influence and of course nick lowe as well has been an amazing mentor and he's always been a massive influence just in in songwriting it really taught me that you don't have to overcomplicate any any songs to try and you know make it flashy you don't have to pull out like you know 10 chords in a chorus or something like that you just keep it keep it simple and effective and nick's way of writing as well it's so funny like it's he's got so much wit in his lyrics and uh you know that's just something you you pick up over time i guess but it's it's always a great influence to me well we'll get on to nick Lowe a bit later on because uh, it's been quite an exciting um time for you this year of course yeah so, but keeping on the songwriting when did you write your first song you said earlier when you talked to me you perhaps were, you picked up a guitar about 13 and then you were busking at 16 and you perhaps only had that one song that you'd written when was it and what was it oh it was awful it was I think I was 14 or 
or even 15 to tell the truth um when i first wrote it and it was i've still got a recording somewhere but i, I don't want it to see the light of day until i'm until i'm long gone but it, it was called um it was called caught what was it caught between the deed and the devil and it was it was really you know i thought I... it was no i thought it was so um What's the word? I thought it was so out there and kind of abstract and so arty because I used to do, and I still am obsessed with art, but I used to do paintings and drawings every day and I used to do them in school and A-level and I, I used to see the whole creative side of the world. You've got to be really avant-garde and things like that. So I wrote that song and I can still play it and remember it to this day. It, it was very much like, you know, it was such nonsense, but yeah, those sort of nonsense songs help you grow to writing better songs really oh they do and it's, it's good to keep them because you know as you progress as a songwriter you look back and you think oh god i've come quite a way since <laughs> i mean i honestly lynn i can't even tell you what what the song is about i, I know how to sing it but the lyrics mean absolutely nothing they mean nothing it's <laughs> like i think i just um i was really into robert johnson at the time and all those blues guys and I was almost writing as though I was some guy from the deep south going to some crossroads and selling my soul to a devil you know living in Oxfordshire it couldn't be further away but you know it was it was good fun yeah but it's a stepping stone it's fun and that's what it's built on it's built on experience it's built on the learning curve and but I know exactly where you're coming from and a few artists that I've interviewed have got songs exactly like that do not want it ever to be out in public. No, no, unless unless someone's very kindly going to, you know, do some sort of uh, memorial thing and they do a box set of, um, you know, like when they do the, the box set of tapes left in some huge container in a warehouse. Yeah, we found this first song that Tom Webber ever wrote or something. And then it turns out to be rubbish and no one likes it anymore. That's what we'll get to. <laughs> But it's great. These these cringy moments are what we need to move forward. Of course. You mentioned Nick Lowe, of course. Now, uh, it was, that, was, that ties in nicely to one of the questions I've got here. <clears throat> because not only have you played some of the biggest festivals this last year, I mean, just looking at your bio, you've had such an incredible year. But you've got to support some major artists too. For example, Nick Lowe, who only recently in November you were supporting, weren't you? Yeah, just it only feels like... Um... The week before last but i think it was probably i don't know i'm losing track of the days lynn but it was incredible because i did the whole tour with nick in april and i just finished working at starbucks and it was magical to go on tour the whole thought of you know first tour and for someone like nick to be up with him so it was really exciting and i learned every single night that I, I would be there supporting him. I would learn from him just what he would say whilst I was doing the sound check or I would, what he would say to me in passing in, in the dressing room, just little tiny bits of, of advice or stories even that can inspire you. And um, by the time we got to the last show in, in Brighton, I felt like I'd known him forever, which is a complete, you know, probably complete my, my dreaming world, but you feel like you got to know him every single time I saw him, watching him play, even the most minute, tiny details of how he picks the guitar or how he sings, his mic control. 
you know, taught me loads for those festivals, which I was about to embark on. And then we did those three nights, which you just mentioned um, in, in November. And the first night I did acoustic um, supporting him just on my own. And then the two nights after I had um, my my band with me, which was uh, phenomenal, by the way. <laughs> Oh, that's very kind. They're great players. They're extremely good. And uh, they they give me more confidence when you're going in for a big chorus or something like that, because uh, you can really belt out your voice a bit more. But they're, um, yeah, it was nice to do it because getting Nick's feedback whilst you're doing a sound check or just little things he would say to you, it, it, it kind of sticks with you. It may, it may sound strange to say because I'm, no, you know. But it, it, it's it's those tiny little details which really stick with you, and I'll, I'll forever be grateful for that. Yeah, it's always great to learn from others. I remember when I first started to perform, it was, I, it was in musical theatre, actually, and um, I was doing a, a... It was... We had a little show that evening, and I was singing, first time properly on a mic, because I was used to singing on the stage. So it was the first time in front of a mic, because mic technique obviously is incredibly important yeah and um, so i'd got the mic i kind of understood the mic but then i was doing this <laughs> sort of with my hand and one lady who i really admired came up to me and she said without any you know mincing her words do not do that it looks terrible you're taking away from your voice you know on stage you can do move your hands but move them in so so these little snippets that you get from your idols are just incredible you're absolutely right and advice like that where she would you know it's constructive so you take it on board it is yeah no matter how brutal that may sound when she says don't do that with your hands i'm sure like well as you're telling me now i mean obviously we still remember and that bit of advice and it's it's crucial that kind of constructive criticism as they call it and it is great to learn from it so that was incredibly exciting for you how did you find the festivals? I mean, because you are really, really good with a crowd. You've you've got a great stage presence, and you can because the the Kenton Theatre is quite an intimate setting. It's not a, a huge theatre, but it's great <coughs> to be able to um, you know work a crowd if you've got the ability to do so. And you really did. You I mean you held us in the palm of your hand all evening? Oh, that's very kind to say. Really big festivals for you. What was that like? Well, each festival was, I know this sounds so cliche and I'm sure everyone would say it, but each festival is so different and they've all got different, there's a different energy at each festival. And for, you know, take something like WOMAD, for example, I absolutely loved WOMAD because it was so intimate, but the but the, the vibe everyone was carrying was so positive and uplifting. When you go on stage, they were so patient and so calming and they would sit there and pay so much attention. Um and you know, you really get a connection. It feels quite a tender kind of moment playing in front of people at, at WOMAD. And then you I went to, to Truck as well, which is my local festival. And um it was it was incredible because it was just as good as WOMAD, but it had a completely different energy, which was like, you know, people hollering out, people on shoulders, people clapping. And it's it's you know, it's the I'm there with an the acoustic guitar doing the same kind of like thing which I did at festivals and obviously you'd change it for each festival, but 
it was incredible to to actually get a taste of how different they operate each one do, do you know what i mean is that do, really yeah. quite strange but no it's not because i was going to ask you a really difficult question later it's just impossible so i'm not going to answer no please I, do you kind of answered it because it you know it's like you know what's been your highlight moment or moment so far and everything so far has been a highlight moment because you see each experience is a different thing and festivals they do have a different energy it you're incredibly right you know bunk fest has a different energy to mm. to um as you say womad and then you've got the trunk fest and you've got glastonbury and you know big or small they all have their incredible energy yeah. glastonbury's a special one because everyone there is kind of there's a real nice bit of bubbling excitement because everyone's like oh my god we're actually at Glastonbury and I'm not just saying like the musicians like the people out mm. out in the audience everyone's really excited and they want to come and hear new music and it's such a big I knew Glastonbury was big because I've driven past the farm um when obviously there's no festival going on I've driven past it and there's loads and loads of fields and I'm like whoa that thing is enormous but then then you actually go there and you look at it and it's like a it's like a little city just in the middle of all these fields it's the lights go on for miles and miles over yonder and i think that's what makes everyone so excited about it as it is i mean it's one of the longest running it's one of the most um iconic festivals going anyway isn't it yeah i couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> <laughs> now um you have been involved recently with and you're still involved because you're still contributing towards a project about joe meek um, would you like to talk to us about that as well, please? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I was approached by uh, a film production company, uh, Ginger and Pickles, and they came to us with this this film that they're making about Joe Meek. And I'd, I must be honest, I I knew of Joe Meek, but I hadn't watched the Telstar film, um, and I, you know I I knew some songs that he'd produced. Uh, but I wasn't an expert, so I obviously went away and did my homework. And I couldn't really believe it because it felt like tailor-made for, for for someone like myself who loves that older kind of music from the early '60s right way through. And they said, "Do you want to do you want to put some words and you know sing on on these tracks that we've discovered these these tea chest tapes, as they're calling them." And these tracks that have been recorded, you know, 1963, four, five, and they're just instrumentals. And they said, if you want, you know, do you fancy giving a go at putting words to it? So we we went there and we picked, the, we had 10 songs to listen to and we picked, well, I picked the one which I thought would, would be most on brand for me and the most comfortable. And I went home and just wrote it inspired by what I'd learned from books and films about Joe Meek and documentaries. And and it's really something quite special because I feel, although it's a very small part I've played in, in that whole history of Joe Meek, what an honour it is to actually be a small cog in the huge gears of, of that world. And I mean, it, it, it's incredible because someone like Joe Meek is um, a legend. I didn't realise, but they've got a, they've got a producer's award called the Joe Meek award something you know but what what a fabulous project to be involved in because it's another 
angle of songwriting, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah. Uh, how how exciting! When, when will that be out? I mean, what's happening with that at the moment? What, where is it at the moment? In... Well, they're they're still making the um they're still making the film, and it's coming along really well, I'm told. And from the clips and you know bits I've I've seen and heard, it sounds like it's going to be brilliant, and it's right up my street. And if I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't singing on one of the tracks in it, I would most certainly be first in line to watch it at the cinema. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess it's, I don't know. I don't have a confirmed date actually. I'm not too sure when it would be out because it's still being made, but hopefully Next. not too long. Yeah. Hopefully not too long away. Okay. Now I'd like to move on to your EP. So your EP, Stop and Think About It, <coughs> earned the title, which is, this is great, of the best demo of the year at Glastonbury, the festival. <laughs> well, uh, and that was this year. And on the back of that, you've got a publishing deal. How exciting. Tell us more. I do. Yeah, it's, I'm a very lucky boy. Um, I don't actually know how, you know, best demo of the year came about. I guess they just just liked it, I guess. I mean, I certainly didn't set out to to write and produce the EP to, to become best demo of the year for Glastonbury. But what a great trophy that is to have. And um, the publishing deals, it's it's in the later half of this year, so that's been the the main drive um, since you know August, and we've signed it with um, Bucks Music, which are legendary, and I can't wait to start working with them to tell the truth because I just want to learn more, learn from other writers, see what they're doing, and what's that saying? Add more strings to your bow yeah. kind of thing yeah definitely just how lovely to be able to um be with a publishing company where you can set aside so many days just to write i know it's a dream come true really um and it, it it's good as well because for me at least you know it's no it's no um it's no laughing it's no fun and games anymore in a sense of oh we'll write a three chord nonsense song and whip it out and see what happens you know it, it's good to have a tiny bit of pressure where you know you've got to take it seriously you've got to write the songs and i love that because it, it can only be a good thing to produce better music you know, evolve a bit more and also you know you'll have the opportunity to co-write as well and co-writing is always really good opportunity to get into because you're learning from other writers you're learning from each other and often you can come up with a hook or something that you might not have thought about you can just feed off each other so again that's another songwriting experience that you will get to experience which is all good fun absolutely honestly Lynn, like the whole the whole thing of writing with co-writers and doing that i think that's actually the most attractive thing about the whole publishing deal, to be honest, because I think I said this earlier, I'm probably just repeating myself, but the more you learn from people, the more you pick up. And when you're at home writing, you'll, you'll go for a sort of melody line or you'll find a new chord, which someone's shown you. It's just more things to learn. And I can't, I can't wait to get my hands dirty and start getting, getting in. Oh, so exciting. Sounds like 2023 is going to be quite the year for you. <laughs> well, I can hope so. I can certainly hope so. Which leads me on to say, what are your plans for 2023 that you can actually talk to us about? 
Uh, are you going to, obviously with your songwriting and your publishing deal, I presume there could be an album coming out on the way? I really hope so. I mean, we've got nothing um, set in stone or, you know, penciled down for an album just yet, but it's it's definitely on all of our minds for the, for the near future. Um, and it's certainly on my mind because I'm just going to be writing more and more and more. And I want to get to the point where... Um, you know, where you write more and then you can sort of bin some songs off mm-hmm. because they're not strong enough for, for a release. But just, yeah, the next year is going to be more writing, co-writing, recording, releasing, and um, and hopefully lots more uh, lots more shows to come. And, and you know, it'd be brilliant to do some festivals again as well. Well, if you are, we'll be there. And in actual fact, I've just realised that um, my son, he... he well, I just remembered, I should say, he went to Truck Fest and he he mentioned you and I didn't even put two and two together. It's only just recently that I've... <laughs> You're kidding. Spent the whole weekend there, you know, we camped out. He loves his festival, so, yeah. It's a good festival. I camped out as well with my mates and I'm sure your son had just about as much fun as we did. Oh, I don't think he washed for three days and he was, you know, he sat to take a week to sober up. He had... <laughs> It was that sounds about right. That's when you know you've had a good time there. Yeah, totally, isn't it? <laughs> Incidentally, listeners, yes, if you wish to find out more about Tom and when he's playing, etc., visit his website, which is tomwebbermusic.com. And, of course, he's on social media, so don't be shy about that either. Um, so I guess, yeah, there's not a lot more you can announce at the moment, but it's going to be, we'll certainly be keeping our eyes and ears open for you, Tom. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. So thank you very much for coming on board. No, I just want to say thank you for having me. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Uh, it's been a pleasure and I look forward to seeing you again and keep an eye out on all the new music. I love your your music. Really, really good. I have to say, I'm an instant fan, Tom, and I will be following your career closely and hopefully you know maybe when you this joe meek thing is out and perhaps you've got an album out you come back and talk to me again i would really like that yeah if you'll have me again yeah absolutely (laughs) anyway tom it's been an absolute pleasure i'll let you get on now i know you're a very very busy boy good luck with the songwriting congratulations the publishing deal congratulations to the fabulous year you've had and i look forward to seeing you in your festivals and uh, looking forward to what's going to come along in 2023 for you. Thank you very much and thank you again for having me. It's been wonderful. It's been my pleasure. You have been listening to a Lynn Nash Music and Voice production for the Bands in the Boudoir podcast. I do hope you've enjoyed listening and I hope you will come back to listen to further episodes in the future. Thank you very much for tuning in. <laughs>